0: You're listening to The Hard Hedge, UVA's only independent basketball podcast hosted by two guys, one of whom happens to be a fake coach. Fake coach. Get about your seat, you can have my drink, let me
1: see you dance.
0: And now, here are your hosts, Mike Pittman and Phony Bennett.
2: When the sun falls, the sun falls, then the moon lights, moon lights, right here, Hell of a Night go, 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 Go. Good morning, good evening out there, Virginia fans. Welcome to the Hard Hedge. I am the aforementioned Mike Pittman at Wahoo Basketball on Twitter. Joining you tonight for what is depressingly enough the uh, season-ending edition of this program. But fear not, we are year-round and we will be recording during the off season. There's always some intriguing storylines that pop up, and we hope to get some great guests and uh, look forward to keeping you guys up to date uh, throughout the off season. And we got a you know potential top five team returning, so they'll be plenty to talk about but right now phony my man have you recovered at all how you doing buddy
0: you know i think i i made it through uh elizabeth kubler ross's five stages uh pretty quickly this time I, I was initially a little uh more angry than i was last year last year i was just really sad like it felt like the end of an era or something but uh this time i i was kind of mad about how it all went down and and uh well we'll we'll get into the details
2: uh also joining us Tonight from Cavs Corner, uh, great UVA follow. If you don't follow him on Twitter, if you, if you don't visit his site, you're, you're missing out. A uh, great friend of ours and uh, just a, a great UVA beat guy, Brad Franklin. What's up, brother? How you doing tonight?
1: Doing pretty well, guys. How are you?
2: Man, just h- hanging in there, just, <laughs> just having to watch basketball that doesn't involve my team, and it's depressing.
1: <laughs> I sent my sister a text a while ago. I said, "What is this? what is this team competition with the Orange Orb?
0: <laughs> yeah, I I've put on everything uh, I've got behind Old Dominion now, and that, <laughs> that was a hell of a game they played last night. Yeah, and, that was
1: a lot of fun. Uh, definitely.
0: Yeah, that was, There's that enough was UVA good. connections there. I can feel like I'm still cheering on the Hoos
2: Absolutely, yeah, definitely. Also with us tonight at Embrace the Pace, Daniel O'Neal, uh old reliable. What's up, Danny boy? How you doing?
3: Oh, I'm hanging in there. I mean, it really, it really kind of hit me today. Um, I mean, I was, I was there in Charlotte this weekend, and I was kind of surprised by how uh, not okay with it I was, but, uh, I mean, I definitely felt a lot worse last year. Um, I think part of that has to do with just kind of, I mean, that game, you could kind of see, it wasn't kind of gripped from us late or anything like that. You could kind of see that coming the whole game. We just really didn't have it. Um, and so now just, just seeing another day of basketball, it's it's really sunk in. and went, Wow, we're not. We're not playing anymore, so, uh, yeah, a little rough today, but uh, it'll be good to talk some more about it and definitely look towards the future, which which is definitely bright.
2: You need a hug, Dan. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> well, let's let's dive right in, Dan. Um, let's talk a little bit more about that that Michigan State game. You know, what went wrong, and in your opinion, uh, did you go back and watch it a second time? And, you know, I, I, I wouldn't blame you if you didn't, uh, but what are your thoughts on kind of – how Michigan State really kind of took us out of our game and just kind of controlled that thing from the tip.
3: Yeah, I watched, I watched the first half this morning, um, and that was kind of all I really needed to see. Uh, that was, I mean, credit to Michigan State. They came out with just a fantastic game plan. You heard Izzo in the postgame say how he kind of reworked his his game plan sort of at the last minute, and he was really impressed by his guys with how they adjusted to that on such a short notice. Um, and it showed. I mean, I had, before rewatching watching the first half, I had looked at a couple of old um, tapes of, of kind of our offense when it works and looked at that, just kind of contrasted against it, and, I mean, it was very clear what was going on. We couldn't set a screen at all. They, I mean, their guys were just running around through, over the side of every single screen. And our blockers and movers, we didn't have any blockers. So, that I mean, when that's the case, then our offense just – doesn't work and then you just combine the fact that we couldn't hit anything on top of that and uh, I mean that's kind of a disastrous equation so I think obviously it really starts and ends with we just didn't do anything on offense um, and just from there I mean defensively we were we were okay Michigan State didn't really play that well offensively either but I mean if we're gonna play like that on offense then that we're probably gonna lose to a team like Michigan State so it was yeah, a it was a little disappointing to watch it again and just see man like we're we're so much better than this but uh yeah it was it was frustrating.
2: Yeah, I felt it like any time that they needed a big offensive play though even even though we kind of bogged down and really started to hold them down late in the first half and into the second it's like man if we could just get a stop right here you know I'd really feel the momentum swing coming and then they hit a big bucket. It just they did just enough offensively to keep the pressure on our offense and the way they were playing defense with the pressure they were putting on us it was just a bad recipe. Brad, what did you see, man? Anything that kind of stood out to you?
1: Well, I you know, I just kept watching that game thinking I'd seen that game once. It it was I was in Greensboro and they were playing Carolina, you know, same kind of idea, right? Uh, you know, Virginia we could get close, Carolina would, you know, make a couple buckets, they just Virginia just couldn't get stops and and you know, I think that I'm not really sure if if mentally um they ever really recovered from the Duke loss. And I, and I don't say that to be, you know, all hyperbolic. I, mean, I really just, just watched this team, and they were markedly different from that point forward. Um, you know, they were, um, they before that night, before that game against Duke, Virginia was the team that made the plays down the stretch, right? How many times last year and then up until that point in the season this year had the team, you know, they'd been up seven or eight, you know, somewhere in the second half, they'd have a big run, um and put it away and it was never you know really in doubt this team somehow or another managed to scuffle around and you know there were two tight virginia tech games it was the first wake forest game and it just seemed like they couldn't they couldn't hold on to the lead they couldn't make the plays late that they that they made uh in in the past and i think part of it was if you saw you know you, you watched some of the x's and o's from the michigan state game you saw how easily uh The Spartans really kind of shut down Virginia's offense. And really, Virginia's offense came down to, um, you know, guys having to, you know, whether it was coming off screens and taking jump shots, whether it was guys coming off screens and then trying to, you know, create a little bit. But really, what it came down to was if you can stop Malcolm Brogdon and you put the pressure on everybody else, can Virginia get buckets? And really, okay, yeah, then they can go inside. But Virginia's really historically, in the last few years, has not been very good at getting the ball inside uh, with any kind of consistency. And I think that. This team should have been inside out all year long. Earlier in the year, I think Justin's uh, three-point shooting and, and, and the way he kind of stretched teams—you know—I I think Pittman really hit the nail on the head in, in his piece on my site earlier this week. You know, that really was fool's gold. And instead of kind of getting that inside-out idea down and kind of become that becoming the identity, they just went to it at times. And but it really wasn't something they could really depend on. It wasn't something that was really going to get you through the day. And so I kind of just felt like watching that game. Um, that this was just really a, a team that um, maybe even overachieved to some extent. I mean, I, I really think that they had a lot of good pieces, but in terms of the the ways the roles were defined, especially once the Justin injuries happened, um, you know, this wasn't necessarily a team that was going to be able to manufacture offense at a consistent enough clip, uh, and they had to play out not just good or great defense, outstanding defense. And you know, in the last few weeks, I think. Uh, teams just really did a good job of scheming them up and really kind of spreading them out and, and forcing them to, to, to get out of their comfort zone. And I don't think Virginia really ever found an answer for that.
2: Yeah. I, one thing I tried to think back is is pretty much all season, even after Justin went down and teams really tried to focus on taking away our post play, how many true like inside out type plays can you even think of in your head that, that we did like, you know, get the ball inside and kick back out to right, us? Right, exactly, early? exactly. Uh, I can think of a couple examples of Perrantes getting down and touching the paint and kind of kicking it back out, but I'm like, man, you know, as as much as we were kind of not one-dimensional, but as much as teams knew that they pretty much only had to stop our post players, I just, I just feel like we didn't take advantage of that nearly enough. Phony, was there anything that really... I, what was driving you crazy in that Michigan State game? I know that uh, you know we exchanged a few texts, but
0: yeah. <laughs> there uh-huh. were there were I mean, the the big thing that I keep going back to is, is our three point shooting. Uh, we were two of seventeen from three. So you look at it, we lost that game by six points. If we had just shot thirty percent from three, uh, and, and so what is that? Six say we hit six threes instead of two. That's four more threes. That's twelve more points. Suddenly, you know, we're six points to the good. I mean, there, there's a lot of things. About that game that uh, kind of showed up and, and um, revealed our weaknesses, but it was such a winnable game if we could just even have been mediocre from three we didn 't need to be great i mean our uh, you know they did what they needed to do. On offense, Michigan State did. Um, you know, our defense was okay, but, I mean, it wasn't super high scoring. And we, were, we weren't we were that far away on offense ourselves. It's just our, our shooting was terrible. And like you said, every time it looked like we were going to make one of those runs that you'd come to expect all season, uh, you know, something would happen. Michigan State would make a big play or, or you know, they, they gave Izzo that loose ball timeout. Or there's always something there just to stop us dead in our tracks. And, uh, oh, man, it was a maddening game to watch and uh, just, just thinking about it. I mean, if you shoot two for 17 from three, you're going to lose to most teams in the second round. Um, you know, it happened to be Michigan State, so yay, we got to lose to one of the better seven seeds. But, um, I mean, there's not a lot of teams you're going to win uh, shooting that poorly.
2: Yeah, you know, I this, these guys really, um, what they were able to do most of the season is they were able to maintain a lead and then withstand a big run and make a really clutch play late to kind of pull away again late that's what we did over and over again what we didn't do because we didn't have to because we weren't really in the position <laughs> was was actually come from behind uh and make a big push late and we weren't able to do it in in the unc and the michigan state games where you kind of felt it coming and we did kind of come pretty much all the way back in the unc game but you know in those two very important games in march uh, the other team just made crucial plays when they needed to to kind of stay in front of us um how will you Daniel let's get back to you let's just kind of put a bow on the season how will this season kind of be remembered for you and um you know what do you think that you're going to take away more than anything from from this season
3: well I think first of all I mean it's important to take a step back and and look at what actually did happen this season um it's really easy to get caught up, and we were ranked second all year. And then Justin gets hurt, or we lose to Duke. Then Justin gets hurt. Then we stumble down the stretch and have an early exit. But when you look back at what we actually did this year, it was it was pretty incredible. I mean, it's hard. It's still hard for me to say, like, oh, how amazing the season was. It, like, it, it's very different last year. Last year was so, I guess, unexpected and new, and just so much fun overall that. It was very easy to say, "Oh, okay, we lost to a great Michigan State team. They're, like, hats off to them. Amazing season for us." Whereas this year, it's more like once you raise the expectations, it's a little easy to kind of um, get disappointed with what happened, and it is disappointing. But, but man, it was it was really fun during that during the especially the middle stretch of the season. Just that Duke game in general, while it was awful watching that ending to it, that just having being having the chance to be a part of a game like that is what's exciting about where this program is right now um and while yes there is a disappointment I mean I wanted I wanted to have a chance at Kentucky I wanted to get to a final four I wanted all those things and I thought that we had a really good chance of that just a few weeks ago um so that's disappointing but still like if you look take a step back and see what happened this year and where we are it's it's really hard not to to feel good overall about this program
2: Thirty and four. I mean, they're just. It's simply put. You know, this is. This program is at a point that it, that it's only been at one other time in its existence, and it, it's set up to really keep surpassing um, expectations on down the road. And Brad, you know, you you run that message board at Cavs Corner. Do you what kind of pulse do you get from the rest of the fan base on your site? Um, kind of where they fit in the puzzle here on on. Kind of the reaction to, to losing that game that way and how they feel about this program right now
1: well, I think the, the thing you always have to keep in mind when you when you when you do a job like I do, which is you know heavily involved with a message board or you know making sure people aren't going crazy on them, is that the, there's a very real difference between the vocal minority uh, and the silent majority and but even I think the, the the folks who were who were coming out of the woodwork and, and kind of upset. Uh, I think they also understand, too, that this was an historic season, um, that it was. I mean, look, look, you won, what, 28 of their first 29 games? Um, you know, that's that's something, uh, and that doesn't happen often. Um, and you look at the schedule, and, you you know, you've got, what, the, the, the ACC tournament champion, they won, they beat them on the road. The ACC tournament runner-up, they beat them on the road. The uh, Atlantic 10 champion, they beat them on the road. Um, you know, they beat, I think, a very good Davidson team. Um, they... They did some things this year, not just in terms of the numbers, but in terms of you know the overall that really that really deserve to be remembered. But I, I, it's hard, I think, for folks, myself included, to to look at this season and not think of it as a disappointment. Well, um,
0: but we only lost four games, right, and, and right by a right. total of eighteen points. And, right, and, and, all and all four of those team teams are in the, Sweet, in the Sweet, 16. Sweet
1: Sixteen. Completely understand, but also too is the the thing about last year that made it so impressive was that there was postseason success. You know, they they go through the ACC tournament and they and they win the championship. They make it to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. For them to bow out the way that they did this year, I think has to, you, 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 for, for last year's team that did, that came into the year everybody thought would be good, kind of climbed up the ladder as the season went on. This team was in the top, you know, five, six, whatever it was, all year long. I and mean, they started out what ninth. They were uh, by the end of November, they're eighth. Um, they're in the top five from December the thirtieth on. Um, that's a that's a team that should be into the second weekend. Of the of the NCAA tournament, that's a team that shouldn't you know that that shouldn't think that that losing uh, in the in the semifinals of the ACC tournament is 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 good. I mean that's that the bar has been set a little bit higher, and I think that it's not it's not a it's not an indictment to say it was a disappointment in the sense that. You know, you, you expected this team to be pretty good and they should have gone further. It's not a, it's not, it's not to, 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 to impugn the, the season that they had. It just means that, you know what, this was a team that, that, that underachieved. And I, I really think that. I really believe that, that this team, um, ha, ha, should have been better. And I understand that fans have that feeling because, you know what, that, you know, Pittman made that point just a few minutes ago that this is, this is something that, that hasn't been done at Virginia except for one other time. Um, but you know what? this is this, the bar had already been raised. You know, this, this team should have done more than just, you know, bowing out in the, what I, I guess, what they technically call the third round now. You know, well, they, they, I
0: think you might be discounting Justin's injury too much. I mean, well, I'm, no, not, I, I'm not saying I mean, that, I'm, you know, Mike, Mike points to the Duke game. Um, you know where we lost our mojo I, for me it was justin's injury when he went out like everything kind of changed and um you know he was he was back i don't know that he had the stamina th- that he did before that and it just never seemed like the same team once right he went
1: and out. i and i would agree with that but i also don't think that that being unlucky means you also can't underachieve i, I also don't think that being unlucky means you weren't disappointed with where you finished and I oh yeah, kinda,
0: no, I'm definitely disappointed.
1: You know, I just kind of feel like when I look at this team, especially because I thought Darion Atkins really took a step forward this year. Um and, and and I think in in terms of where you see Virginia go from here, his play combined with, you know, what they saw from Akil Mitchell, you know, the past few years, uh, is really going to make them really hone in on what kind of team they want to be. Um, whether they want to be a team that that has a lot of bigs um, and, and tries to play a more traditional lineup, or whether they want to be a team that has more length and more athleticism and kind of wants to match up and maybe, maybe play a little more small ball, um, I think what you saw from Darion this year—he deserved that Defensive Player of the Year, even though I know too many media folks that would have voted for Bogdan if he had been on the ballot. Um, but I, when I look back on this season, I'll remember uh, I'll remember him and the and the and the way. But I thought he had, he, he really had um, what I think was a, was a really st- standout year, both in terms of his on-court as well as his ability to kind of, I don't know, focus in and, and really kind of um, be a guy that Virginia needed him to be when they needed him to be it. Um, and the other thing for me, I think, is just the play of Malcolm Brogdon. Um, you know, last year he was such a, you know, a, a, a double-figure scoring machine, and this year it didn't come that easily. But he still managed to go into beast mode. Uh, I'll never forget that second half against Carolina. Um, I, don't care. I don't care if they lost the game or not. It was one of the more impressive performances I've seen from a Virginia player in terms of an individual standpoint and really looking forward I, I think that, you know, the fact that Virginia had it played such a team-oriented style, at times it's, it it's almost like to me these slow starts that they had, you know, toward the latter half of the year, everybody just kind of waiting around for everybody else to make a play. And Brogdon is that guy who can be the dude who just makes the play. And I I think sometimes you know, Virginia does a really good job of always turning down good shots for great shots, I think at some point somebody has to realize and maybe even tell Malcolm to realize that, you know what, a Malcolm Brogdon good shot is a great shot for Virginia. And I think that's one of the things that you might see going into next year is is that aggressiveness offensively, understanding that, you know what, sometimes you just got to ride the horses that you got and not necessarily think that you're going to be able to manufacture it somewhere
2: else. Yeah. I actually think that's a, that's a good point. Um I I like that that analogy with Brogdon because I do think that that a Brogdon good shot is is sometimes better than another player's great shot and I think that's kind of part of the um dynamic that needs to be I don't know figured out a little bit amongst these guys even though I would n- never want them to play any less of a teamless uh you know team first basketball that they play it's 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 beautiful and it's it's one of the things that really makes us uh do what we're able to do but the 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 guys that are that have the ability to to score at any point need to realize that sometimes they need to score at any point uh and it's just kind of simple as that but i i refuse to call the season a disappointment i just don't think you can spend uh that much time ranked number two in the country uh, and to be to get the the media attention that we got, even albeit some of it was, uh, you know, negative. To to have the exposure that the program got, um, to be that high in the polls, and and to have that unbelievable road record. Um, when you get to a, a tournament format, and, and one loss can end your season. You know, anything can happen. It, it is disappointing the way it ended, but I I can't I just can't call it a disappointing season. I think it was another. Uh, page turning season in in the history of Virginia basketball to get us uh, back into the serious national championship um, full media attention type arena that that I've always dreamt this program should be in and I think this season only got us a step closer to that Um,
0: as much as anything it validated what we did last year I mean, it wasn't a fluke. Because you look at Miami a few years back, like, it's That's like, okay, is Miami on the scene? Are they for real? And then the next year, you know, they everyone graduated, and, and we haven't heard from them since. So I I think this legitimized us in the minds of a lot of people. Uh, you know, it's interesting to hear people, you know, all the talking heads. They're not saying, well, Virginia were paper tigers. They weren't that good. They are just talking about how unlucky we were to get Michigan stayed. And, um, you know, they I, I don't think the The media is uh disrespecting us with the way they're kind of doing the season's eulogy for us i mean i I think uh people expect us to be back. they know we were legit this year so it, it's a disappointment the way the season ended but uh it, it was a hell of a season it was if you told me back when the press uh the media folks voted on you know us fourth i guess uh, in the preseason poll in the a c c and then uh did we finish higher than that in the national polls? Uh, this year does anyone know what we finished at like Um, six or seven
1: yeah they were six going into the tournament but are you 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 counting that i guess as your
0: yeah you know there's a a final poll that comes out so um i mean you know that's we exceeded expectations yeah we could have done more and and it was a real real disappointment a lot of things just didn't go our way down the stretch and and you know they were um within our control largely I i would say um but it is what it is. I'm happy with the season. I think people will look back on the season, um, you know, in a little more rosier manner because it's going to get referenced a lot uh, with everything we did and only four losses. And, um, you know, the, the sting of the Michigan state loss will uh, continue to hurt, especially if you watch watched the game. But, um, Uh, you know i'm 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 not disappointed for this season as a whole and i I don't want to call these guys underachievers because no one expected 30 and 4 so uh to me they're still overachievers despite the finish
1: i do want to say this though i i I think that you you guys are making a really good point about the the justin injury and, and how that should uh be kind of almost an asterisk you know that goes next to the next to the the kind of evaluation of the year it's funny to me because like you get like people from basically two camps, right? There these—you'll get the folks who think that either that Justin's Anderson was Justin's injury was literally the only reason that Virginia, st- you know, had any issues, and then you'll get those people who will say, "Oh, well, he was—you know—he was struggling before the injury anyway." And if you go back and look at his numbers, yeah, he had a, tough, a couple tough games, at, you know, at BC and at Georgia Tech, but he had scored in double figures in three straight games. He just was probably coming off his best game in probably a month at Carolina, where he goes six to ten from the floor, he hits three threes. Score sixteen points, pulls down, uh, you know, some rebounds. Had seven assists, I think, in that game. And then he, and then he breaks the finger, and you know, everything kind of tumbles from there. But I do think that it's worth pointing out. I mean, like I said, I, I look at this season and I think this team should have gone further. And because of that, you know, I, sat, I think you you have to come to the to to that conclusion. But at the same time, I think you have to also, you know, like that asterisk means something. Um, the fact that they they didn't they didn't have their full complement of players, and, and and the fact that I almost feel like it was it would have been better for them to to drop a couple of those games without him. You know, if they had lost, you know, if they had lost that uh, that, that Pittsburgh game, you know, or if they had lost the the, the game before that, if they lost, the, or even, even if they lost to the Florida State. You know, if they had dropped one of those games, you know, maybe maybe the, the, the mindset would have been a little bit differently. Maybe that would have been the thing that could have refocused them. But I really think that they, they kind of just became too casual um, in watching them. I mean, I just felt like, you know, from the, maybe from even middle of the season on, about the time that you start playing the teams that you're going to play twice in the ACC, the time, about the time you start maybe picking up some of those, you know, that kind of feel, it just kind of felt like they just, there, there wasn't that same sense of urgency that we saw last year and even earlier in the season in terms of putting teams away. And I just think that that kind of caught up with them. And I'm, I'm interested to see going into next year if, if they can shake that, that, that ghost and then get that monkey off their back and actually get back to, to being more aggressive, to having that kind of mentality. And kind of like Pittman and I have been talking about all week, um, you know, in terms of whether it's the offense initiating it sooner, whether it's making some tweaks, maybe it's playing, you know, more small ball. You know, largely the roster is going to be what it is, um, and they're going to have to kind of figure that part out. Um, provided, obviously, that Anderson decides not to not to jump. To the yeah, end. Go, going off of that, um, I think another
3: another way to look at the Anderson injury is say it doesn't happen and he kind of. I mean, obviously he was slumping a little bit, but say he rebounds and starts playing like that Carolina game again, and he's a solid. Looking at a top 15, 20 uh, pick in the NBA draft, then we lose early, and then we lo- then it's more likely we lose Justin. Okay, that would be really disappointing. Now maybe I mean it's I wouldn't say his injury his injury definitely wasn't a blessing because we really could have used him, but um, I do think it really helps keep him here next year. I'm I'm pretty confident he'll be back next year. So if we get a healthy Justin Anderson back next year, I mean, that's that's a little bit of a, a silver lining in that um, that came out of this this pretty bad situation. But yeah, that's that's, that's a different way to look at it. I'm,
1: I'm glad Daniel's confident, because <laughs> I'm not. I'm not confident at all. I'm, yeah, I'm.
3: I'm, I'm yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, it
1: makes sense to me. It would make it make, look. It makes sense to me in the sense that let me explain it this way. He doesn't lose anything by coming back because yeah. worst case scenario is he comes back he ends up being a 35 to 40 something percent shooter and you know the, the pros look at him and say well that year that year with the 50 something whatever that was a fluke and he ends up being a late first early second round right because that's what he's probably going to yeah. be now you know so he doesn't risk anything by going the problem is whether or not you know he thinks that he that he's better off uh, spending that year at the professional level focusing on basketball and getting better even if it's in the D league versus being back in college and and i think that's a that's a decision quite frankly in talking to folks that that i think he goes back and forth on so i i don't know if if i feel confident on anything at this point with that specific decision right now i kind of just you know kind of just have to wait and see how that all shakes out yeah i yeah. saw
0: I saw people going nuts on the saber about a quote from him talking about what they need to work <laughs> on in the off season and they're you know this means he's coming back and he might um you know i if if i had to Say which way I would guess. I would guess that he's coming back. But I mean, you know, and I, I talked about did I talk about this on on Twitter? I mean, the there's decisions or the, there's factors into this decision that w- we'll never know about. And so, you know, I don't like to stand there and question somebody's decision. I mean, they've got to weigh a lot more stuff than we do. And you know, as I like to point out, if you know, in my second year, somebody had said, "Hey, we're gonna pay you a million dollars a year to come do this job," maybe we only have you working for two years, but um, if you come right now, we'll we'll give you a million a year. I mean, you know, I I would have left everything (laughs) up behind uh, to take that job. So, you know, I don't blame these guys, you know, for going after it and saying, well, I can, you know, finish my education later or or whatever, but hopefully he's thinking long-term what's going to be the best for his development as a, professional basketball player and i think he still has some to learn from tony i think he wants to uh probably ha- he has some unfinished business um i doubt this is the way that he wants to finish his college career either so if i had to guess i'd say he stays but you know what if he goes we'll, we'll wish him the best and cheer him cheer him on
2: yeah guys uh, you know i i don't i stopped trying to figure out what's in these these young guys heads uh, a year ago i i don't know i'm not as confident as uh, I'm, I'm more along uh, Brad's train of thought. I, I, I kind of prepare myself for the worst in those situations. Uh, do I think it's likely uh, that he comes back? I, you know, I, I guess. But we'll, we'll just have to, we'll just have to wait and see how it all plays out. Um, I don't like to, I don't like to blame injuries. You know, I, I really have have tried to avoid that. You haven't seen me tweeting a whole lot about it or anything. You know, I just believe when you get to the level that Virginia basketball was if you, even though he was a player of the year candidate and all that and it's obviously a devastating loss i was really intrigued when he went down to kind of see who was going to step up how we would fill that role kind of how the, the the coaches would kind of try to fill that role how the players would kind of fill try to fill that role and i'm not saying we didn't live up to my expectation but you know my thought is this happens. I mean, well, this- at
0: times it looked a little promising when he was out. I mean, we saw, uh, of course, Evan Nolte you know, started hitting shots, and he, I think Evan probably didn't get enough credit for his defensive improvements and, and his time that he played in the Michigan State game in the first half, I think, is one of those lingering questions. <laughs> like, why did he only get two minutes um, when he'd been playing well for us and we needed a shooter? But but anyway, we saw him do well. We saw, um, uh, you know, Sh- Shayok was, you know, he kind of hit that first-year Uh, a slump but Wilkins um, I I think showed us some potential so it it was a valuable time for guys to get experience which will help us next year whether or not Justin comes back.
3: Yeah Yeah. I think I think um, just going along with the the young guys there it it did present them an opportunity to really step up and that was something that kind of frustrated me before then was I wish we had because we early in the year especially I mean that first JMU game we had this incredibly deep bench playing all these guys and they were all contributing. Granted, JMU is JMU, but I was thinking, oh, we're going to have this this deep a bench all year long. These guys are going to pretty much be factors for us the entire year, and that definitely wasn't the case. And I was a little frustrated because I knew that guys like like Wilkins and Shayok and Hall could really contribute in some forms, but um, obviously Tony wanted to go with more of the experience and focus on guys who knew the system in and out. But Obviously, when you get a guy like Anderson going down, you you have to play these young guys whether they're really ready or not. Um, so it's a good opportunity to get them to to grow a bit, and and hopefully that'll pay off in the future. I'm one of the things I looked at today, and lot of the film I watched was um, sort of looking at where Shaiak fits in, and I really really like where he fits in, especially on offense. We know he he can defend with his his length and athleticism, um, but he really has a good understanding of. Of what Tony wants to do on offense, he he cuts well, he reads screens well, he sees kind of when it's his time to to to, to make the extra pass versus when it's his time to kind of to pull up and pull the trigger, which is something a lot of our other guys tend to struggle with, especially Malcolm lately. Um, like you said earlier, sometimes he just he needs to realize he it's better for, just for him to take that shot. Um, Shayok is maybe I mean especially early in the year is kind of to a fault. He was a little trigger happy, but I mean it's good to have a guy that that's confident and thinks that he can when he's open he's he's going to let it fly um but yeah i i mean if Justin does leave, i'm obviously going to be disappointed. I still think we're a top five caliber team, and uh I really am excited to see what what going to do growing in that role so um i mean either or it's it's I, I'm still looking forward to next year regardless.
0: Yeah, that little slump to Cheyock, it doesn't bother me at all. I mean, that's, that's what freshmen do. So play, He
3: played well against Michigan State. Yeah,
0: he he, he lifted himself out of it. And so, since we're talking about those guys, I mean, Wilkins, I thought, I mean, he, he was one that I really keyed on during the season because he, he seemed to pick up the defense really quickly and, and he he has the motor to play as a big in our system. Um, and I think, you know, when he adds some size to him, man, he he's going to be a star for this team.
2: Yeah, Brad. Let's talk about next year a little bit. Um, what do you see? You know, obviously, I wrote the story on uh, on your site this week, but what do you see from a from an offensive standpoint? Kind of some tweaks that that you think might happen this season coming up, and from a personnel standpoint, is there anything that you see that kind of intrigues you? Well,
1: I think the the one thing that I, I want to piggyback off something Daniel just was talking about Shayok and. You know, I think Phony's right. He, he didn't really hit he, – he may have, like, hit a little bit of a, a lull, but he just wasn't he, – he didn't get scared because of it. You know, like, I thought he was almost fearless. He had a great get, mindset. Yeah, he did. I think he, he continued to play. And, honestly, he was one of the bright spots for me Um, in, in some some instances, especially that Michigan State game. I thought he, you know, he has a tendency to, 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 <laughs> to go with speed and not necessarily uh, under some control at times. But, man, his his ability to get to the rim is something this team is going to desperately need next year. And I kind of think of having – if you have a Malcolm Brogdon uh, – wow, I sound like one of those old TV dudes, right? If you, you have a Malcolm Brogdon and, and a Mario Shayak and now Darius Thompson to put with them, you know, I look at the, the Anderson decision, and look, I'm not going to try to make any kind of argument that Virginia's better off without him, okay? I'm, I'm, that's just dumb. Oh, no. Okay? <laughs> no, but, I don't think any of us I here. will say this. I will say this, that trying to feed, you know, Anderson, Brogdon – Thompson Shayok would be tough, but if 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 you can figure out a way to to keep the balance between those guys, whether you know if Anderson goes, obviously that's more opportunities for other other guys. The things I've heard about Thompson are so encouraging from an athleticism standpoint, from uh, an ability to 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 get to the rim. You know, Virginia won't have a knockdown shooter. I mean, you know, that dude, you know, that dude's not walking through the door uh, at this point, unless they you know they they happen to happen upon a. You know, an immediate, immediately eligible transfer, and quite honestly, I don't think that they would even go that direction if they picked up a guy like that. Um, they might even go with another kind of long, big, kind of in the uh, Darion uh, Akil mold. But I really think that without that kind of knockdown shooter, um, what they're going to have to rely on is, one, that current players take steps forward, and then, two, that guys that can get to the rim do. They're gonna need Shayok to drive. They're gonna need Thompson to drive. They're gonna need Brogdon to drive. And I think they need London Prontis to be the aggressive version that we've seen. Um, and some he of the will, things I-
2: he will. If I can interrupt you real quick, I I am so confident in that. Just because I London Prontis for whatever reason is one of the guys that that I watched more high school tape on than than pretty much anyone. And he as each year that went by. He, just, he decided to take control of games more and more, and he has a really good mid-range game, and he does a good job of drawing contact and getting to the line. It's just he hasn't been asked to do that or he hasn't been aggressive enough to do it, and I firmly believe that you're going to see uh, a double-digit type or close-to-it scoring average out of London Prontas next year. That's one of the big offensive changes that I see coming, whether they decide to, to speed things up a little bit or, or not. You know, I think... You're going to see a different London next year.
1: Yeah, and I think that would be obviously very welcome news because if you look at the games when he has, uh, I mean, I know the the, the Miami game and the, the overtime and and all that stuff, but I mean, if you look at some of the breakdown of his of his shots, I mean, how many he's taking versus, I, I would imagine it's tough for any player when he's not taking that many shots to to really kind of get into any kind of rhythm. Um, and I, what I would like to see from him is is for him to to kind of press the issue more a little bit next year. Um, a little bit less, you know, doing so at the end of the shot clock. Maybe doing so uh, and taking advantage of of, of, of of motion that they put the defense in situations they put the defense in. But I think you're right. I think you're going to see. You're, I think that's that's a necessity for this team coming out of this tournament. You know, last year the thought process for them coming out of what they saw was they needed guards who could who could score. And so what did they do in the 2016 class when they when they had you know they had scholarships? They went out and got guys in Kyle Guy and Ty Jerome
0: no, we got some scores scored. coming in
1: you know and so it's, it's a shame it's a shame that those guys are coming in 16 and now 15 because they literally would be exactly what ails this offense if you could throw one of those dudes in there and and I mean Ty is not really necessarily the shooter that Kyle is but Ty is a scorer, and he's he's very much that kind of Justin Jackson mold who he can he can get hot at the drop of a hat his mid range is good uh, and he's much more physical of a player than a lot of people would would give him credit for just looking at his at his at his film or excuse me looking at his, his photos because he does look kind of slight. But I I really think that Perante's creating off the dribble would be great is going to be great for this team. And then they're going to have a lot of length and athleticism. Uh, I like the the it's, you know one one source told me that there's some thought about you know maybe going small a little bit more next year. Uh, I like I like the possibility of that. That's something I hadn't thought a lot about until honestly this afternoon. Um, but it's something that I think you could see Virginia do a little bit more often next year. And and honestly, if they get used to doing it, um, it it could really it could really rain some some terror on, on parts of the ACC where where some of the other teams are. That's all they can do. They go small and they just hope that the that the mismatch gives Virginia problems. Um, I, I think Virginia could actually maybe even be more proactive and and play more small and 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 kind of take that that chip off the table.
2: Daniel, talk to me. What do you see about from a personnel standpoint and kind of how we plan on attacking next year?
3: Yeah, I, I've I've definitely um, – the going small thing, I mean, right here I'm sitting watching Notre Dame about to advance to probably play Kentucky. Um, they're our ACC champ, and, and look at them. They're a four-guard lineup. That's obviously by necessity for them, but, I mean, they have the best offense in the country. Uh, I really think it could work. We've done it in the past under Bennett, um, also by necessity, but we had Joe Harris play at the four um, with a broken hand, which was not ideal. But, yeah, I mean, that, I think it definitely, especially given we have some question marks in the post, um, we, losing Darion going to be now a much bigger loss than we had anticipated going into this year because, man, he improved a lot, as Brad said earlier. Uh, I Yeah, I, I everything you guys said I really agree with. Um, going back to the point about London, um, if you just watch what he did against Carolina, I think that's what we want to see him do from here on out. I was just so unbelievably impressed with how he attacked Carolina and just he looked like a completely different player he was taking shots early in the shot clock and making them and um I think if he can do that if if we tell Bryden to kind of be a little more assertive and fearless and and take the early shot if possible and just kind of be a little more like put our foot down the gas pedal a little bit instead of sort of lulling teams to sleep as we sort of tended to do especially with Justin out um I mean I think we've got all the weapons I think Tony will figure it out and um uh, yeah, I think I think we'll be an improved offensive team.
2: I, I still think we have some some really you know, in, in Toby and Gil some really good offensive post players, uh that you know, that obviously we all hope that that Toby grows a little bit uh as a yeah, player. Well,
3: one of the things uh I meant to bring up, um glad you mentioned Toby. Uh when was the last time Toby really like made a long jumper or did the little baby hook or things like that Toby did in his his first year and a half or so. I really he hasn't really done that. I mean yeah. some of that is he hasn't played a lot, but if we could get back to him being the really skilled big man instead of I mean obviously we want him to be physical and, and put on weight and be stronger, but that doesn't mean that he, he he can't do those other things. So if we can if we can try and get that a little bit of that out of him, I think that would really help us out
2: a lot. I, I think you need to make him an emphasis in your game plan. And I, I think that's one thing that is kind of driven me crazy that we haven't done and it's first of all for my he's he's a kid that that operates on confidence and i think if you tell mike toby look we're going to get you the ball on the block with your back turned we really want you to go to work and and, and work that baby hook and get to the line and, and you actually make it happen and make him a part of the game plan i think i think that's just huge for this team and I, one of the things that really frustrated me is is even when teams knew when justin went down and you could you could put your best defender on malcolm and, and really all you had to do was take away the post. We could not find a way to, to take advantage of that. Because even if they do slide doubles over on you, even if they really do try to put an emphasis on stopping your bigs so when our guys were really efficient, you know, that should open things up for other guys on the floor. And whether it be the the, the inside out stuff that we talked about earlier or just simply creating space, it would kind of drive me crazy. It's like, you know, how are we not taking advantage of this situation where, you know, Darion has has a, has a really good first half or, you know, the, the, the three or four times he touches the ball, he, he gets the cleanest look of anybody on the floor, and yet we kind of just go away from him. And, and you know, that's what I, I just – next year, other than really I, I want this team to be more aggressive early in the clock. I, I don't want us to battle the same demons that we try to force teams to, to battle against us. I, I want to see – us try to take advantage of our advantages, and and actually build off of them, and and, and build a game plan around, you know, where I where each individual matchup, um, it looks like we have an advantage, and I, not, that that seems really obvious, and it seems like any coach would go into a game and do that, but it's just like I I almost don't feel like from game to game that the game plan changed very much, you know, I, I didn't it, there wasn't that many. When I watched the tape and I, and I rewatched it pretty much every game, it's not like I'm like, oh, wow, they put a major emphasis on this because of this matchup there, other than some very general things that they did. Um, and I'm not trying – look, we're 30-4, and four, okay? I'm not – this is not a, well, what the hell is Tony doing type of thing. Uh, you know, but just like in business, you know, if I have a million-dollar month, the next month I want a million too. You know, I, I want to improve. And I think when 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 these guys go back and look at the tape, you know, I think that they'll see some things just from a tactical standpoint that we should have been trying to take more advantage of, uh, you know, that we didn't. But you know, that's why uh, Tony Bennett makes the money he does because we we were thirty and four, and it'll be his job to to see that we're you know as good or better next season.
0: Thirty and four, and we're questioning why we weren't better.
2: (laughs)
1: Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think I mean I I look at it from the standpoint of. you know, Tony has done uh, – it's it's just – it's hilarious to me. Tony's done such a, 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 an efficient, immediately efficient job of, of taking this program up that he wins an ACC tournament championship, which isn't like it's – you know, it happens at UVA all the time, right? And then, you know, they, they have the season they had, and they, they lose to Carolina, which is in the Sweet 16 give, right now giving uh, Wisconsin fits. And then they, they, they go to the, 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 the tournament, and they lose to Michigan State. And you hear, hear some of these people talking about – you know, his, if his style has plateaued, and and I'm thinking, has he even had a chance to even really get into more than just a few recruiting classes for us to even know that he really does want to play? Whether it's you know, whether it's playing slow on offense or or whatever. I mean, I think we understand what his defense means, but and clearly his defense excels at this level. Um, the, his the-
2: defense is fantastic, and that's it. That's why we won so many games. I just I do think that the offense, you know, was. It needs work. It needs to be improved. This is not an indictment on yeah, anybody.
1: Right. I t- and I agree. And you know, I agree with you. My my thing is on it is is that it's not necessarily something. This is not the pros where you can you know you can make some deals and make some trades and all of a sudden you know what you've gotten some shooters and you're you're ready to go. I, I think that part of what we have to we have to look at for for next year in terms of what Virginia is going to look like is a lot of it's going to be similar. I mean, they've got one 2015 kids. You know, one spot for that class signed with, which is Darien uh, Reuter is a a really, actually a, a a really tough big man. Which, quite honestly, I think this team really could use with the with Darion's, um, absence next year. Uh, they could use some toughness, and I think he and Jack Salt will bring that. Um, but then I also I also think that when you look at you know what they're recruiting down the road, you know, in that 16 class, two guards committed as well as a one of the best power forwards in the region, Sasha Kalea Jones. Um, I, I, they could add another. You know, kind of springy uh, big man, um, but I mean, largely in terms of its offense, that you know what what you see right now is what Virginia's going to have. And so, like, from the standpoint of you know what what can what can Tony change, what can he tweak in, in this next year? Um, I think that one, the, the idea of maybe being a little, going small more often, playing to 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 your to your roster as opposed to trying to make your roster fit, because I mean, I just don't see Virginia being as good next year if they have to rely on on Ag and Toby. Uh, on a regular basis in the post, I, I I just don't know what that looks like in terms of you know Virginia on both ends. Honestly, you know, Ag has really taken a step forward in, in his defense, and there's a, I think he needs he needs to be committed for that. But can Virginia really get through a game next year, a big game? Can you imagine them playing a VCU or or something like that and having you know Ag and Toby out there both on the floor for extended minutes? I I don't know. I mean, I, I don't I don't think I've seen that yet, and I don't know if I've seen enough of. What, I don't know what I've, if, what, if what I've seen yet leads me to believe that they're going to be able to do that. Um, I always think that that you, you look at a, you look at a team um, and, and the, the players have natural strengths. And so, what's the natural strength of this team? They're, they're going to be long um, at every position. They're going to be uh, very athletic across the board. If you play small, you're actually playing to that strength. And so, I kind of feel like maybe some of their offensive issues can be fixed simply by you know tweaking the the way that you look at the the spots on the floor. But I also feel like, to to, to Daniel's point uh, earlier, uh, you know, well, actually, let me take a step back. I think that what Virginia has next year, and, look, this wasn't supposed to be the good year. It's next year was supposed to be the good year, okay? And so what Virginia has next year, they're going to be the favorite in the ACC to win the championship. I mean, I don't think that the, – got an get, absurd
2: amount of experience coming too, back. Too,
1: too much of my media brethren respect Virginia <laughs> – too much to, to not have them be the, um, you know, because Duke doesn't have a class coming in like they had with, with Okafor and, and Winslow and, and Jones. Yeah. So I just, I, this is going to be the preseason favorite to win the league. And so I think we, it kind of goes back to that whole, you know, underachievement discussion. You know, yeah, they went 30-4. and four. That's phenomenal. But you know what? that is What does that mean in the big picture? I mean, that that team was was pretty good and probably should have gone deeper. What's this next team going to be? I mean, I think that's the, the question. And, and, and really the job in front of Tony and his staff is to figure out a way to, to tweak the offense. Because, look, the, the word is out. I mean, that stuff's on film now. Teams are going to start really, you know, honing in on, on how to slow that down. They've got to do something a little bit different. I actually wouldn't mind seeing them go back to some of the stuff they ran pre-Tennessee blowout, you know, when they, when they changed things up and kind of went back to the Mike Scott stuff. I would love to see them let London – trust London Perrantes' feel – and let them do a little bit more read and and, and and let them let them react versus kind of the more structured sense and and then see what see what you get I, I don't think you know what you got until you
0: try it well'm I'm, I'm with Mike I mean I want to see the extra post touches and I think that just put the ball in Gill's hands i I liked what Gill did when he touched the ball this year um but I mean they, you know the offense isn't built around getting it to those guys and I, and I think you know we need to do a better job of that and then secondarily I think Toby is really the big uh, to me is the big question mark next year into what our ceiling is uh because i'm i'm a big believer in him i think he has uh, so much potential and he he doesn't show it every game or for the entirety of, of every game a lot of times and uh so if he can get that and, and just put it in his head that he's going to be one of the best big men in the acc and give that effort every game that's where i i i think our potential becomes um you know, just, just limitless. I mean, and that's assuming Justin is back, of course. But um, for for me, that's the big question mark, is how do we fill in for Darian? Because that's that's the only loss we should have. And, uh, you know, where are we going to make up for, for the effort? And, and especially down the stretch, what he did for us offensively.
3: Yeah, I'll, I'd agree with that. I, I kind of agree with what both you all are saying, try and combine them, and say I think if we go small, it might actually open up things for A.G. and Toby a little bit more. Cause I think space for them, yeah. Yeah, one of the problems I kind of noticed, especially down the stretch, is it just got really crowded in the paint, yeah. especially when you don't have a shooter on the outside, and there everybody's collapsing. I mean, if we can, if we can legitimately go small and play four guards, four wings, whatever, um, give a guy like Ag some room and isolate him on a defender. I mean, then is when I feed him the ball and let him go to work. Um, but if but if we can't do that, then then I think we really need to work it through the guards first. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what we do um, and see how we go about whether we put Justin at that four spot or, or Nolte or someone like that. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm 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 excited and intrigued to see how how Tony approaches next season.
2: Yeah, let's. Uh, yeah, before I, I want to make it clear that when I criticize, quote unquote, criticize <laughs> the, the offense, um, you know, I if if I got a, a piece of mail that said that they wanted to build a statue right now for Tony Bennett. I would donate. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I almost named my son Bennett. Okay, so I want to make it completely <laughs> clear uh, that I, I worship uh, Tony Bennett, and I only mean to, you know... I, look, I, I see the games with an analytical eye, and I, and I want the team to never lose, you know? So I'm going to... Just like I would criticize my own self in my own life uh, when I see things that that maybe I can improve on, you know, I, I, I just... I do think that there's improvements to be made. I think uh, uh, Tony would tell you the same thing. So let's get everybody's, real quick, um, starting five, or, or um, maybe who's going to surprise you with minutes played, not played? Uh, kind of what do you see out of the guys on the roster uh, next year? And let's try to kind of run through everybody real quick. I'll start with you, Phony.
0: Oh, damn it. <laughs> I was hoping those guys would go, so I'd get the chance to, right, to go through. No, 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 i I got this. Uh, so, <laughs> so Justin, Justin Malcolm in London, obviously. Uh, London, I, I want to see more offensively from him, and you know he's got to do a better job at guarding those quick uh, those quick point guards on defense because he, I mean Trice was destroying him uh, against Michigan State. So, um, I want I want to see. Those three guys, so then you're you're left with the bigs. Uh, obviously, Anthony is going to be a starter, and I'm a big believer in his offense and just his ability to get to the line. So hopefully he's working on free-throw shooting. Maybe he changes his stance again. I don't really care how he stands. Uh, you know, he can stand there bow-legged as long as he makes the free throws. Um, and then, like I said, Mike, I'm expecting bigger things for Mike. I mean, just that extra year, um, not just of experience, just age, um, will, will hopefully give him – the right mindset so I'm I'm looking at him very positively that he's going to be a big contributor and then uh, Jack I, I think is going to be an enforcer for us um, you know it doesn't sound like he's going to do a lot offensively but he can get some valuable defensive minutes and uh, just make us uh, give us some more physical presence in the middle uh, Darius Thompson uh, we didn't talk about him tonight but you know like uh, Jeff White was telling us I mean offensively uh, he can be a big weapon for us a, a guy that can create his own shot which we don't really have right now malcolm malcolm tries but then sometimes malcolm just drives it into four people and and um makes me text mike uh (laughs) out of anger uh so who am i missing
2: uh yeah that no no let's move on because you are missing someone i want to hear what somebody else has to say there's a couple of the names brad
1: (laughs) well i look at it from the standpoint of all right let's say anderson comes back obviously he's a starter along with london and malcolm um, and then, if they want to go more traditional, obviously it's Ag and, and Toby. If they decide to go small, I think you're looking at Marielle kind of going in, there, getting a lot of minutes. I think Shayok really is kind of the key for them, um, whether Anderson comes back or not, because I think he's a guy. Um, if he makes look on the recruiting wise, when when I heard about Marielle, at no point, okay, at no, at no point, I cannot stress that enough. At no point did anyone ever refer to him as a shooter, okay. But yeah, he actually made some. Some, some he was actually a, a reliable guy at times this year, and I think if he can take steps forward uh, in that part of his game, similar if not maybe not necessarily to, to to the heights that Justin made from from last year to this year, but if he can make some st- take some steps, he could be a really key player for them, um, whether he's coming off the bench or not. And I think his energy, his ability to get to the lane, um, I, I think I love I love his ability to kind of move sideways without losing momentum. Um, I think uh, Dave Spence, who is a friend of mine who, who does our podcast, I think called it like, what do you call it, like angularity or something like that? He made up some stupid word for it. But it's a, it's a very specific kind of Luol dang skill, and it's really something that Marielle has in spades. Um, but I look at that team, and I think, you know, that's a really good club. Now, the question I'm going to have about that team, and, and maybe this isn't something we want to go into terribly deep, but there are going to be some guys that might look at, at whether or not they want to stay or go. Um, and, you know, that will obviously impact the depth. But Virginia should have a still still should have a very solid bench next year, um, with some some younger guys that they can kind of put in there. I think Isaiah Wilkins, after he gets another year with Mike Curtis, is is going to be really fun to watch. He's probably as gifted an offensive rebounder um, as we've seen in a long time. Uh, he has just a nose for the ball, and I think that can be a big thing for a team too that that does have some issues uh, offensively, or at least has had some struggles. And he's going to give you second chance opportunities. If you, as a matter of fact, if you if you ask me. The fact that they—they, they, I think it was—they had 17 offensive rebounds in the in the loss to Michigan State, but they only had eight second chance points. Thank I think you. that in and of itself is, you know, it, it basically renders the the advantage that they had on the glass moot. Um, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna get second chances, you gotta you know gotta you gotta, make, you gotta make them count. And Isaiah Wilkins is a guy who can do that. So to me, that's kind of the group. And like I've said before, I, I, I want to see Perantes be, you know, he's guy. You know, it's funny about London is, you know, everybody thinks because he's from L.A., he's this really laid back guy and. But now, he's one of the most intense dudes that, they've, they've had, that I've covered uh, at Virginia. We're talking basketball, baseball, football, I don't care. He's an intense cat, and I think that he's gonna, you're going to start to see him take more ownership. I just kind of have that feeling talking to him in the locker room in Charlotte. I just feel like he's going to be a guy who's going to be more vocal um, next year. And I, I, don't, I think this is going to be a really bad taste in his mouth, and I think that's good for the team because I think they could use some of that attitude next year.
2: I think he's apps I think taking ownership is a great way to put it. Uh, the way that I see London kind of uh, expanding uh, his game uh, next season. Daniel, give me your starting five and your top eight. Yeah, I and, think. And then hold on before, before after that, let's talk about the guy that you and I seem to wonder why he doesn't play so yeah. much. <laughs> what might be going on with him? So let's you you tackle all of that.
3: Okay, um, I'll start with starting five. I, I so until I actually see it, I'll just I'll assume. That Tony is going to go traditional. Um, I mean, assuming Justin's back, that's that's London, Malcolm, Justin, A. G. And, and Toby. Um, I think there's a lot of different ways to go small. If that's the case, uh, Justin at the four is one I like because he's so athletic, so versatile, so strong. He can pretty much match up with a lot of a lot of fours. Um, obviously, uh, something Brad was talking about. I really think Isaiah Wilkins will have a much bigger role overall. Um, I think he'll be one of the first people off the bench just because losing a guy like Darion, um, I mean, <laughs> the name of this podcast is a Hard Hedge and and, got, and I think Isaiah is a guy that can kind of keep that, that Akeel Mitchell, Darion Atkins tradition going. Um, I'm a little bit worried about Toby in that role. He's, especially down the stretch, really struggled late recovering from that hard hedge to his guy. And uh, a lot of people, a lot of teams sort of sort of caught on to that and, and try to take advantage of it. Um, that's something I'm, I'm worried about because he can't really teach athleticism. So um, I'm, I'm sure Tony is very well aware of that. And so that's one of the reasons I think that Isaiah is going to um, see a lot of time. And, I mean, if we want to go small, Isaiah is a, w- a great way to do it before because, I mean, he didn't shoot well down the stretch, but I watched him play a lot in high school, and he is a great mid-range shooter, like an excellent mid-range shooter, better – be- much better than Mike Scott was in high school. Mike Scott was a very different player in high school. He kind of developed his shot during his his redshirt year when he got injured. But, um, but yeah, Isaiah's shot has a lot of potential, and he's got a lot of skills offensively. So I think he'd be a good way to go for trying to, to go small. But I do think he'll start off the bench just because he's not quite – doesn't quite have the experience yet. But, um, again, reiterating, Shayok I think is going to be a big piece. And then getting to Devin Hall um, – <laughs> Yeah, I still I still won't really get it. Um watching tape again today, I, I what I saw I liked. I I mean it's it's a little confusing to me. I I trust Tony, but I, I really like Devin Hall. I think he adds a lot to our team. Um I'm not <laughs> gonna say anything about any sort of whether he's gonna be here or not and, until anything changes, I'm gonna assume he is. But um I think he's got a lot of potential. Hopefully, we find a role for him because I I think he'll he'll be a good player.
2: I have a uh, you and you and I are completely on the same page w- with Devin Hall. Uh, the, the bottom line is he, he's not perfect defensively, and, and maybe there's mistakes being made. Um, I don't see nearly as many on tape of games as, as people like to act like sometimes, uh, but there, there's got to be something going on beneath the surface uh especially when this team started to struggle offensively and you and i have talked about this daniel how he is a guy that that really tries to have to be aggressive and not waste movement movement out there and kind of have guys collapse on him and and kind of get to the basket and he's not uh, completely shy shooting it and when, when we went through some of the struggles we went through i just did not understand i mean struggles i use the word lightly you know but I I couldn't understand why he didn't get a little bit more of an opportunity, and and Brad, I'm sure you can't really speak to too much on that, and I'm I'm sure he's somebody that you were alluding to as a possible transfer candidate. Um, you know, I don't know if you can shed any opinion or light on that before we sign off here. I mean, do you think Devin Hall has a role in this team next year?
1: Well, I hope he does, because I, I I mean I'm kind of like you guys and, and Pittman and I text about this, and I mean maybe even talks on Twitter about it. You know, that I really didn't understand either you know, why he wasn't getting more of a look. Um, you know, I really thought that when he was giving the opportunities, he made the most of them. And I think if, if he decides that, 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 you know, that, that he wants to stay. And, and again, some of the, some of the, this time of year, I always caution people, you know, they're this far into the podcast and they're diehard Virginia basketball fans. they're Anyone gonna, is like, still they're, listening. Really not, they're, they're not getting their mind. They're not going to lose their minds about this, but like, there's always that decision, you know, when, when you've, you've taken a redshirt year, you've, you've had sparing minutes. I mean, you know, he, 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 he got 20 minutes twice this season, um, you know, really only was in the teens a couple of times. Um, you, you know, it's a, it's a decision he has to make. And you could really look at to, uh, to, to, to the future and say, okay, you know, after this year, you know, there's lots of time available. You know, get, there's a bunch of dudes that won't be here um, after this year. And it's just a question of whether or not, you know, he's enjoying his experience at UVA. And some, sometimes, you know, guys do and they stay. And then sometimes guys don't; they leave and, and they go to the NCAA tournament. Um, so I just feel like um, you know it's up cool. to it's it's not something I've heard is is you know that he's he's considering leaving. It just seems it seems like a natural kind of um, maybe it's more. It just seems commonsensical, right, that, that he would be looking at his options just because he hey, he did have such a limited role. Um, I do think though that next year uh, they they really could benefit. I think especially later in the year from from playing a little bit more. Of a rotation at the at the point. I mean, I think London. There were games late in the year, like that Carolina game in in Greensboro. I mean, he was gassed. Um, and you know, granted, now he was he is coming back from the broken nose and everything. But I just feel like Devin can can be an, a real asset for this team um, if he, can, especially if he continues to, to hone his shot. I mean, I think his his ability to shoot the ball wasn't necessarily on display as much this year as it should have been. Um, and then the other one that I alluded to was was BJ Stith. I, I think that he's a kid who. Uh, who is really loving his time at UVA? From everybody I talked to, um, you know, he wanted to play this year. He really got limited, limited, limited appearances. Um, the question again, you know, is he willing to maybe take a redshirt next year? When you know, and then he'd have three years, and the first of them obviously being the year after all the big, the big junior class leaves. Um, you know, that's a that's a that's a question he can only answer for himself. And again, he might not even be worried about it. It just seems it seems commonsensical to look at the roster and think, you know, given. Given what's happened in Charlottesville, you know, over the last maybe, you know, since t- since Tony's been in, since Tony's been there, you know, the different guys are gonna, you know, look around. I mean, that's just kind of the nature of college basketball. So both of those guys could be back. They both could make decisions to leave. I think it's it's a completely personal thing, and it's hard to really kind of to gauge it or to forecast it without, you know, without them knowing knowing what's going on in their heads and their hearts. Um, you know, at this point, I, I think it's too early to really know. But will I be surprised if either of them leave? No. But I also wouldn't be surprised to see them both back.
3: Uh, all that. I'll add that uh, this time last year, now, I, I never really bought, bought that this would actually happen, but some people were wondering whether Darian Atkins was going to be back, or if he was going to be back, whether he was really going to kind of really mentally be with it um, and be invested in the team and everything, given what had happened towards the end of last year, and then look what he goes out and do. So, I mean, maybe, I, I think the Darian Atkins story is a really good one to tell people if you're... Uh, thinking about making some survey sort of decisions, just, just tell them to be patient. If you really want to be part of something and improve, and if you're willing to be patient, it can work out, it can work out just as well as it did for Darion. So, um, you never know. I mean, again, looking back last year, did we think that Darion Atkins was going to be a defensive player of the year in the ECC? I don't think anyone saw that in the horizon. So, um, you never know. So, hopefully, I mean, it, Someone like that tends to step up every year, so it'll be really interesting to see who that might be next year.
2: Well, that's good stuff, guys, and I know we're kind of up against it here. We're over an hour, and for the nine of you fans out there still listening... uh, we, uh
0: My mom's yeah. a big fan, man.
2: Thank <laughs> you guys uh, staying with us. Uh, any final thoughts, Phony, any, anything that you want to throw out there before we sign off tonight?
0: Man, I'm I'm just trying to head into the offseason positive. I I think, you know before this season the 15 16 years what we all looked at and said okay that's going to be our year that's going to be when we compete for a championship and then this team surprised us and competed for a championship uh we, we didn't get it even as close as we wanted but th- this was a team that could compete so uh, next year uh, if we can keep all the pieces together uh, the sky's the limit and, and i'm excited. Uh, you know looking forward to it i think everything that helped this year is just going to help our recruiting and that's going to help us two years from now three years from now so um it it was it was a good season not the ending that we wanted uh i've seen a lot of movies like that you enjoy uh you know the first two hours and five minutes of it and the last five minutes suck and and that's kind of what happened here but um i'm looking forward to the sequel
2: that's a good analogy man well done I didn't even know you had all that in the bag when I asked you to wrap it up. <laughs> I, I
0: didn't either, man.
2: <laughs> so, Brad, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody where to find you? Uh, well, CavsCorner.com.
1: We cover uh, Virginia basketball, Virginia football, Virginia baseball, recruiting. Um, you know, this time of year when we when we when we make the transition from basketball, and it's it's somewhat difficult because it, it's <laughs> it's it's hard for me to, to to give to give up the round ball. But um, you know, there's always something going on. We'll have camps and au starting and you know then it'll be peach jam and and that kind of stuff but you can also check us out on twitter at Cavs underscore corner great source for our uh whether it's in game updates content items um and every once in a while the occasional witty banner
2: yep that's right daniel
1: yeah i
3: mean i was i'm usually i mean last year this time i was very bummed about the loss of michigan state and could just kind of sort of Go into baseball season nice and high, and just forget about basketball. But uh, now baseball is not quite what it's been, which is a little frustrating. But hopefully they'll get it turned around. But yeah, embrace base UVA. Um, we'll definitely be around talking a lot of a lot of UVA hoops all all off season.
2: Yep, and uh, we'll have all of these guys on uh, for throughout the off season here. As there's going to be a lot more to get into. We're going to try to track down some uh, excellent guests, some former players. Uh, I have a couple guys i really am uh got some high hopes to get on this summer so uh we we look forward to it and uh thanks a lot everybody for joining us and for the rest of the guys uh signing off everybody have a great night great season wahoo